the Wholeness Network. Awaken to the reality of wholeness. We're so excited today to begin this conversation about women being empowered and finding their divinity and strength. And, and this is a conversation that gets to start and be added to. And as it, we continue to evolve uh, in consciousness as a society, um, but also something that we felt like would be great to be addressed with these amazing women. And we thank Jeff Olson for being brave enough to be on the women's panel. I'm lucky. I mean, to be surrounded by this, I'm the lucky one. Thank you. So Amber has, is working on a project called Women Crowned, and she is going back through Holy Scripture and Writ and creating a beautiful project about women um, throughout the ages and their own search for divinity and the divine feminine. And so we thought we'd start the discussion today just by having her share what are some of the common themes that you have seen as you've researched women from the past? How are, are we connected to them today? What are the issues they face that we also face? Thank you. Uh, in my research, I have seen a lot of commonalities that are shared between um, ancient women, historical women, and women who live today. And one that I think is important to address is that women throughout history and across culture have experienced a lot of oppression, um, which can be a, a difficult thing to talk about. It's, it's very painful. One of the ways that I see that oppression occurring is actually in the stories themselves. Women um, are usually edged out of history, their voices are not included, and so our understanding of how history has played out is usually um, recorded from the male perspective, which is a good and needed perspective, but when you're a woman like me, who's searching for her voice and for herself, sometimes I have felt some dissonance when I go into male texts looking to see myself. Um, and so one of my uh, most transformative discoveries has been just because the records might be male in, in nature um, and just because I might not immediately see the female voice um, and presence in these stories doesn't mean that that voice and presence doesn't exist. I've learned that it exists um, outside of the stories, that it's eternal in nature. And so as I learn to attune my ears to the sound of the feminine voice, I start to see myself surrounded by it. And as I made that switch happen and attuned my ears to the voice of the feminine, suddenly I could go back into these texts and see a new story, see characters who were um, rising and changing and, and confronting their oppression. And I think that's something that we see women doing today as well. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And uh, so let's begin by just asking, what do you feel prevents women from feeling empowered? What stops women from feeling their own empowerment? Well, as women, we are taught, especially in society today, that we need things layered upon us and added to us and aggregated within us in order to be beautiful, in order to be worthy, and in order to be enough. And that mindset 
keeps us looking for our answers, for our purpose, and for our power outside of ourselves. You know, the, the, the subconscious mind has one way of processing information, and the internal reality will be mirrored and created and validated by the external reality. And so as we grow up listening to these voices, that those are things we have to buy or beg or steal or borrow from somebody else, we start to question everything. So that idea that all of those things have to be obtained outside of us also translates over into our power. That if our beauty exists outside of us, if our worth exists outside of us, then so does our power. I love that. It's interesting coming from a makeup artist. I mean, I know what you do as a stylist on set and, and, and what you bring. I mean, talk about that a little bit, where, you know, the makeup and the eyelashes and the lipstick and the hair. I mean, how does that equate in empowerment versus being powerful or being decorated? That is a really good question, and I get asked that a lot because a lot of times it seems like there's a little bit of dissonance between what I do and what I teach. But makeup, like any inanimate object, is neutral. It is neither positively charged or negatively charged, and it's our use of it which determines our experience with it. I love to talk about a fork because I love food. But with a fork, you can use it to feed yourself or feed other people, or you can use it to fight, like stop somebody in the head. I once did a makeup of a fork, like sticking out of someone's head. So a fork can be used to feed or fight. Everything is neutral. It's our intention with it that it creates our experience. And makeup can be used as a tool to express and amplify who we are. It's kind of like HTML for our face, graphic design for our face. It's a really powerful visual language. When harnessed intentionally, it can act as a microphone, but it can also be a mask. So if we're using it as a way to celebrate everything we already know to be beautiful about ourselves, it empowers us. If we're, will, if we're using it to try and define and to create what we think is not beautiful about ourselves, then it becomes a mask and manacles. It all starts here. That's beautiful. Um, what, so if there's a woman, I, I love what you're saying because it's true. We do seek a lot of times for power outside of ourselves. We think if we have that or own this or become that or get this degree, then I am enough. Um, so it, it's so beautiful to hear you talk about that even in makeup. Um, but what is the process of finding your own power? What advice would you give somebody who is searching to step into their own power? Ah, this is a subject that I love so much. Uh, I feel like we, we mostly hide behind our full potential because we are so intimidated by what other people who probably are using makeup wrong uh, to teach us what we should be doing. So sometimes we hide behind our divine, what we were here to do, to truly do, which is blessing others and helping each other grow. So the moment we realize that we are not hiding anymore, we not only bless ourselves, but we bless other people. Yeah. I think for the conversation, I just, I love that we're having this dialogue. And I think from a place and a perspective of just this new allowance and for each person that it gets to be their own journey versus a scripted journey. And I do think that's what shifted a lot for women. 
and for men too. This isn't an us and them, it's an, uh, an ours conversation. But the scripts that were handed to perhaps my mother and grandmother have shifted significantly and a lot more possibility that lives there. The bigger work I think that is with all of us is yes, there's still things of course and, and different women around the world are facing different things than what I experience as a white woman born in the United States of America is different than a sister of mine who's born in the slums of India, right? So it's being very honest about that, but it's being aware is that regardless of the past scripts is there's really this new blank canvas that we get to choose to write what that script will be rather than waiting for permission, which is a big conversation with women, is waiting, they get stuck waiting, get, getting ready to get ready to get ready, waiting for, did you ask me, did I get invited to, am I allowed in, right? There's a lot of that in our past social that still we have that you know, residual energy, but we live in a time today where you can write a new script, it's just realizing you're the one holding the pen that's the big awareness or aha is I know in my own journey, I spent a lot of time waiting for life to happen for me or if it was meant to be versus a conscious intentional choosing of what I was going to be a part of creating. And I think, of course, this conversation comes heavily into, you know, how well do you like being in your own skin and do you like who you are? And like I had the opportunity to talk about this morning before lunch, it's just choosing to cultivate a friendship with yourself. I think for women and men, this is not just a gender, is choosing to be your own best friend, as hallmarky or cheesy as that might sound, the truth of that is like, we spend so much of our lives, like to Tara's point, like, oh, I need the, the make, you know, like let's do the makeup for the reasons of approval, or it's the body, you know, heavily it's, you know, your body sexualized or makeup or whatever, all the approval ways versus we're doing all this energy to hustle for approval or attention versus, but do you, do you like being in your own skin? Do you like you? Are you your own friend? So I think any, you know, I have different opinions about the, the energies that the way the feminine conversation's happening because the angry feminine conversation I'm not interested in or the emasculating of our brotherhood, I'm not interested in that one bit. But in terms of the aspect of like a healing and an awakening and an opening that you get to be your own best friend, you like your own self versus we have spent typically so much energy wanting the approval of someone else or society's script or approval versus do I like who I am? That's the only question I think most of us need to be answering. I think permission is a huge thing. I think a lot of us are waiting for permission um, to be all of who that we can be and who that we are. So um, I'm officially giving all of you permission, anyone that's waiting, <laughs> permission granted. You can be all that you were ever meant to be and we support that and we want that for you in the world. So describe to me, maybe each of you take a minute and describe what does an empowered woman look like or how do you feel when you are empowered? How does that show up for you? Uh, I, I think that true empowerment, um, when I'm standing in a place of empowerment, I stand taller, my spine like stacks 
on top of itself the way that it's supposed to. I feel very peaceful. I feel like I can navigate uh, my life and the world from a place of love and security. Um, and in moments where I step away from my own power, I'll often like slump, like there's a physical effect that happens. I hide myself more. I'm fearful, I'm scared. Um, yeah, and it's, it's the more I pay attention to it, the more I see the contrast, it's, it's pretty severe. For me, an enormous shift in finding my power and moving forward in that has been willing to show up imperfectly. You know, Tiffany talks about getting ready to get ready, getting ready, and Tiffany's known me a long time. <laughs> She's uh, But for so much of my life, and largely because I bought into this script that you know perfection is a prerequisite for worth and value and beauty, but so often we feel like when it's good enough, when I'm thin enough, when I'm rich enough, when I have enough influence, when I have enough followers on social media, when my skin is good enough, then I can step forward, then I can use my voice, then I can make an impact. But this, this cute one right here, she taught me one of the most fundamental principles of my life is that done is better than perfect. And when we're willing to show up in our imperfections with all of the, the vulnerability that that requires, all of the honesty that that calls forth from us, that's when we not only can experience the divine within us, but we can share that divine with others. Because if you look in all of these sacred texts, and if you go back and look over everything that has impacted your life, the divine doesn't teach us through perfection. The divine always teaches us through imperfection. It's in those moments of imperfection that the divine teaches us what is already perfect. And when we wait until we think we're perfect or until someone else gives us that label, we are undercutting, we are sideswiping the ability of the divine to not only show up fully in us, but to, show, to serve fully through us. That's so well said. I, I love that. And the, the question's interesting. What does it look like? I don't know what it looks like. It could look like a million different unique things, but I promise you I know what it feels like when anyone, male or female, shows up in their divinity, in their power, comfortable as being them, whatever that looks like. And I think in many ways, women have been so oppressed I mean, they've been so oppressed by men. I mean, it's interesting to sit in this panel and realize, yes, we've done that. I was with Hugh Vale down in the Corral recently and noticed how the Mustang horses are tattooed on their necks. And we found it interesting that it's always done on the left side. Now, in energetic you know, circles, the right side is masculine, the left side is feminine. And we realized how the horses were always protecting that left side. They could be vulnerable on the right, but they would mask and shade and keep that left side there because of the wounding. The interesting thing is we see this, this resurgence, this upheaval of the divine feminine, of feminine power. There was recently a march where women were marching to empower women. And Hugh and I discussed this. In my heart of hearts, I thought, when are men going to stand up and march for women? When are men going to show up in our power, in our divinity, and uplift and bring into equality and bring into the sacred feminine energy what is so powerful? 
And, and I, I, I have a question about that. I mean, what is the difference between powerful and empowerment? I mean, what does that look like? Does one need to be empowered to be powerful? Or, or how do you feel about that? Well, I am from a community where women still struggle to even have a voice, right? My own mom uh, wasn't allowed to finish nursing school because my dad said so. Um, I grew up physically, you know, shrinking myself, turning into this little ball because, you know, pe what people say, because if someone say, hey, you're too tall, you look too much like uh, a man, you should be in the kitchen, you should, you know, do all the things that you could ever imagine, and we still live in a society in Haiti where it's women are finally, like, getting up and do what they're supposed to do. So for me to be, again, to, to get into that space, you have to tap into your divine. Because, you know, looking at my mom, she has so much potential that people around her use and could use even more if she made it to be a nurse, right? So when I look at her and she always tell us that, you know, I wasn't able to do this because they said, you know, uh, my, my mom would look at my grandfather and shake, like if she's eating, she would just put the foot down. That's how women were raised in my community. So it's always like the man says so, and you just obey. And so for me, coming out of that shell and breaking through this uh, circle <laughs> um, and teaching other people to do the same, um, it's, it's, that's, that's what empowerment is. It's just like, we are, we're not supposed to, we were not raised to uh, not have a voice or not blessing each other in that way. So for me, to me, empowerment is being able to be yourself and help another sister out to do the same. Yeah. That's beautiful. And there's much we can do to lift and support each other. And I... Um, one of my greatest role models of an empowered woman is my mother, who is a teeny little thing. She's about four foot 11 and uh, eight children, um, divorced at 45, went back to school, back to work, and just found her voice in an extraordinary way. And she is a woman that is so complete in herself. She's really very um, at peace with herself. And because of that, she is never one to talk negatively of others. She doesn't need to do that. She's, she's content in who she is. So um, she's taught me a great deal about being empowered and at peace with yourself. Um, but I would love to hear, are there role models in your life of divine and empowered women that have taught you? And what did they teach you? Well, I didn't know we were going to be asked that question because <laughs> the odds of, you know, uh, that might bring up the tears, which is okay. I, I have the most just similar, like I have an amazing mother in my life who I've never, and I know what I'm about to say is not everyone's reality, but I was raised by a mom who literally is like, she just oozes love, right? And she, I've never once been criticized by her. Right? And I know, again, that's not everyone's mother experience, and we all get to learn the lessons from someone, because I definitely have the lessons in other parts of my life. But just 
how she's just loving and she is her own self and she beats to her own drum and she just is an incredible woman. And so I think that a lot of that love was definitely, I appreciate now, of course, being older, the gratitude for that relationship and who she is. But I had this experience. I've gone through a shaman experience where I participated with a, a group of women and we uh, received what's called the 13th rite and the rite of the womb. And part of that exercise, and I invite all of you to do this at one time of your life, male or female, we were all given a red rose, which rose represents in the feminine, is represents the feminine, right? And so we were all given this rose and we were out in the woods and we went off to the different part of the stream and each petal represented a different woman we were acknowledging. So before we received this rite, we got into deep gratitude and acknowledging. And I remember acknowledging my eighth grade English teacher and my mother and grandmothers and great grandmothers and sisters and dear friends and women that I have never met or will ever meet, like Eleanor Roosevelt and then ultimately Mother Mary. And just this acknowledgement that there's so much, so whether your own mother showed up for you or not, is there's such a feminine heritage that you know we can tap into. And being deeply, deeply grateful for that. I think in part of this question, back to Jeff's question as well about empowerment versus power, to me, empowerment feels like love. It feels like lightness and joy, where I'm just in the flow versus the, I'm either shrinking, which is in my mind, I'm overanalyzing, I'm overthinking, or is this okay, I'm looking for permission, or I'm hustling, is where I'm just in trust, and I'm just in the flow, and I'm in the love, the love zone, right? That to me feels like empowerment. Now, sometimes empowerment is saying, no, I'm going to use my voice or my platform to bring light to an issue that might be uncomfortable. It might be like, oh, it's not the polite thing because women have been absolutely influenced to say, be polite. Now, that's not ladylike. That's, you gotta be polite. Now, don't take up too much room. I mean, we do live in this interesting time where on one hand, we're saying, come on, women, stand up and be who you're meant to be. And then we're like, yeah, but that's a little much, so tone it down. And it's like, too much, tone it down, too much, tone it down. And sometimes I'm in that where I'm like, oh, back and forth, but it's just coming back home regularly to my sense of self, my divine self, and, and having that sense of flow is good. Is there's just, yeah, there's just good when, when we're all in a healthier place, that's the betterment for the whole planet. So no one needs to be intimidated about this feminine rising because there's just a healing that's happening for everyone collectively. I'd love to answer that question as well, although what you shared was so inspiring. Thank you, Tiffany. Uh, so in my research, I, I have um, collected quite an entourage of role models. And um, one of them is a queen that appears in the book of Esther, but it's not Esther, it's Vashti. Um, maybe you've heard this story. Uh, she's often not included when we discuss the events of the book of Esther. And part of that is because her story can feel a little confrontational. So the, the story as I usually hear it is that Vashti's husband, Xerxes, um, summoned Vashti to come before his court and she refused, which caused him a lot of humiliation and shame. Um, and so in response to feeling that humiliation and shame, he spoke with the men of his court and they determined together that um, the queen Vashti should be deposed. 
Uh, we don't know if she was executed or banished, but because she was deposed, the vacancy opened up and Esther stepped in as the new queen, and I bet you know the rest of that story. So Vashti, um, if we go looking for her using our ears that are tuned to the feminine, there's a very different story that comes to the surface. We look at the text and we see that actually King Xerxes and his men had been partying for seven days. They'd been drinking for an entire week when they decided to summon the queen to the court. And the summons happened because the king, according to the biblical text, wanted to show his beautiful wife to these drunken men. And so Vashti's choice, her decision to exercise sovereignty and to say no is actually uh, an indication of tremendous empowerment. Um, there's nothing about that that's vicious or frigid or bossy. Um, and I think those are a lot of the scripts that we inherit about female power. We're, and I think also as a product of oppression, we come to know power as something that destroys. We come to know power as something that hurts and abuses. And part of my journey to uncover true power as opposed to its counterfeit has happened through Vashti's story. I've realized that those old scripts are, are not true and they're not serving me. And that I can be empowered in, in a sovereign way. I can act and live in the world with um, love and respect to myself and to my brothers. Um, and I, yeah, so I'm really grateful for for that story, for helping me start to see how my power can thrive and, and be healthy and help me to be whole. Well, of course, all right, well, my mama Sharon, but we'll circle back to her briefly. While this answer seems kind of like the, the trite answer, it actually comes from a very deep and true place in my soul. I, um, I grew up reading about Mother Teresa, and I grew up studying what she'd done. And then I found myself in India at one of her hospitals for the dying. And these hospitals are places where people go to die with dignity, with love, with honor. These are places where people who will not heal go to be carried from this life into the next one with respect. And that was Mother Teresa's mission. Many times we look at love as being a means to an end. But her mission was that love was both the means and the end. These, the people she served, she went down into the gutter and she was criticized quite a bit. Why are you spending so much time and resource and bandwidth on people who will not get better? And to her, that didn't matter. What mattered was that in the moment, they were esteemed on an equal level. In the moment, they knew that they were beautiful. They knew that they were worthy. They knew that they were enough. And that concept of that love is both the means and the end, that there's no ulterior motive, that there don't have to be metrics around it. We live in a society where we're so obsessed with metrics. How many likes are we gonna get? How many followers are we gonna get? You know, What are the algorithms gonna say? But where love is both the means and the end, and we release the outcome and focus and pour our heart into the process that's where true empowerment comes because when we're attached to the outcome, we're limiting what the divine can move through us. When we decide just to be fully enveloped by and servant and partner with love, 
Now, all of those constraints that are formed by our own, our own margins in our head fall away, and unimaginable repercussions of beauty and light and true power can come through us. And that's why my mama, Sharon, is my, like, right up there with mother, she is my mother, Teresa. Grew up her always saying, it's better to be kind than to be pretty. And because I was the ugly duckling, I didn't believe that for a long time. But turns out she's always right. And when kindness is our, our operating system, when love is both the means and the end, then we can't help but be both empowered and have power because then we are in complete alignment with the divine. Says the founder of soul food that feeds the hungry. Um, it's amazing what one person can do. What one person can do to lift society. I, I had a dream about Mother Teresa. In fact, I went to sleep contemplating a very honest and sincere question. And I was shown three people in the dream. I was shown Gandhi, that I knew very little about except what I'd learned in school. But when I was shown him, I felt what he felt about his beliefs, about his traditions, about his religion, about his people, and why he stood in that power. And then in the dream, I was shown Mother Teresa, who I knew a little bit about. But again, I felt her love, her cause, her beliefs, her reason, her why. And then I was shown the man we call Jesus. But I was shown him as a Jewish man. And I experienced his Jewishness and why those ceremonies were important to him and what they meant. But I also felt his love, his commitment. And in the dream, I was told that religion and their beliefs were not their power. Their power was in their love and their connection to the divine and their willingness to step forward and do something to move society toward love. So thank you for sharing that because I got a soft spot for Mother Teresa that brings tears to my eyes and Gandhi, Jesus the Christ, all of them. And yet you embody all of that in what you do and how you are and what you're being, what you're truly being. Yes, I will never stop talking about my mom. <laughs> She shared something with me. I think I shared that with Tara when we were recording a, a podcast. She said, if you have enough to eat, you have enough to share. So we grew up uh, very humble, not having much. But one thing that she thought me uh, was every time we would get food or we get an opportunity or she went out and sell something, she's, al she's always up to something. Uh, to find money, you know, to help and feed us. So whenever she would bring something home, one thing she would always do is split it and then give to the neighbors or go check who's okay. It's not, that's, you know, in my mind as a kid, I thought, wait, that's what you do when you have a lot of money. <laughs> we need to save that for later. <laughs> but she never saw it this way. She said, oh, well, that's enough for us to eat. We can survive, so we have to go and share. Uh, you know, share with uh, people. We had um, an experience, like we, we love going with Tara and the Sofu USA to share with homeless, but I, I know the story of a homeless who was given a sandwich uh, that somebody bought for him, and he, he offered the other half to the person that bought it. 
she's like, no, I'm fine. Like, you said you haven't eaten for the whole day. Why would you want to give me a piece? She said, he said, well, I don't, I can't assume that you already ate, so I, I have to share with you. So isn't that beautiful? Sometimes we feel, if it feels to me that those people who teach us about sharing, caring, loving, and I am so grateful that my mom taught me that. Like, it, it just really grew with me to always be sharing and never say that I don't have enough to share. And you know what happened when we get into that, that possibility? We actually will never get poor, ever. So I'm grateful for that woman. Thank you so much. Well, um, I would love to hear how you feel as women, we can support each other to find our divinity, to be empowered. How can women support women in this effort? Um, I think that another one of the scripts that we're taught as women is that um, sisterhood is competitive or sisterhood is catty. Um, we feel like we're, we're constantly um, trying to, to outshine each other to get access to the resources or to get access to the love. Um, and learning to gently distance myself from those counterfeits has been very valuable. Um, just this afternoon, I was eating lunch with a friend, and um, our relationship to this point has been that she'll kind of come and listen to me talk about things that I've learned and things that I'm excited about. But today, as we were sitting over our Asian food, she kind of reversed the script and started sharing with me her light and her support and her insights. And um, I think that that's the way that it's supposed to be, that we can enter a collaborative space with our sisters and we can trust that there is enough love, um, there are enough resources to go around. When I enter that space, things tend to flow and um, that support seems to emerge quite naturally. Oh, that, that's the question, right? That changes everything. The Dalai Lama said the Western women will change the world. And I believe it was specific to the Western women because we have opportunities and resources that are not available to all of our sisters in other parts of the planet. And along with those opportunities and resources comes the responsibility to step up to that call and to, to use what we've been given. And to empower other women because we've been programmed to judge ourselves so much, we tend to, we see everyone through the same lens which we see ourselves. And so if the mirror in which we see ourselves is clouded with judgment and with um, rejection and all these things that we pile on, then you know, the lens, it goes both ways. So we'll see others exactly the way we see ourselves. So the judgment we hold on ourselves, we also hold to others. So when we, set down those lenses when we realize this isn't me, this isn't of the divine, this is something that I've been given, something that I've inherited, something that's been thrust upon me, and I'm going to choose now to see through eyes of love and through eyes of acceptance. I'm going to see myself through divine eyes, I'm gonna see everyone else through my divine eyes. Then we can all of a sudden focus on their beauty instead of their failings we can see the divine working through them. And then when we speak to that, when we take the time to inspire, when we use our lips to build bridges instead of bombs, 
and we see each other truly as the beautiful divine beings we are and then bear testimony of that. If it's as simple as saying, I see you showing up when it's hard. I see you loving when you're hurt. I see you getting out of bed when you don't feel like you can even walk. And I want to say thank you because that kind of courage is what changes us all. The simple act of laying down the judgment so we can see one another truly and then bearing testimony to every beautiful thing we see in every person around us. I have one last million dollar question. How can men support and empower women? Not beyond how you support each other, we've seen that, that's happening, but how can men show up to empower women? I think that is a really good question, but I think as simple as it can be, is just saying honest, sharing honesty about what you feel inside and let us fly wherever we want to fly and we'll come back to our nest and be together with you. Oh my goodness, I feel like we need three more hours for this. <laughs> just because it's such a rich, beautiful conversation, I think this first and foremost is for number one, for you, for who you are, you just keep being you because you are creating safe space and empowering space for women wherever you go. And as one of your sisters, like you have definitely been part of my lifting experience. So I think it's just, it is, it's kind of like realizing that even if you see a, if you see a woman that's doing her thing or trying to progress or go for it, is just speaking love and favor over her and saying it and, and verbalizing it, it's like fuel in the tank. Like, we got you, and we believe in you, and we see you, and, and even asking the question is a deposit, right? Just the, the fact your consciousness is even asking that is just like, but how do we as humans, same thing, is like, love each other, support each other, build each other up. You know, there, all of us have strengths and all of us have struggles. And so it's easy to focus on one or the other. I have both, we all have both, or all of us have both aspects of that. And so it's just, it's an intentional choice where I believe one of the things that I'm more intentional about, and again, it's a practice, right? Is because we know like, let's love more, judge less, right? We know we feel better when we do that, but sometimes we're still human and you're gonna be triggered every day. Every day the rent is due with the spiritual work. I mean, it is, I'm never not on the hook to pay the rent spiritually. And so I do get triggered every day, moments where I can be in judgment, I can be triggered by someone, I can feel my less thanness, my eighth grade self show up, or the whatever, so it's the practice and the commitments, but one practice I've been working on, and I, I wrote it on a thing on my bathroom mirror, and it's in essence talking about being and be the encourager your words, your mouth has a life-giving force. And that I want the words out of my mouth, and I'm not perfect at this, okay? I wanna be clear, I'm not a saint, but I'm intentionally choosing to be the kind of person that I'm speaking, when I'm speaking about you behind your back, I'm telling all my fanfare about you, what I love about you, what's great about you. Now again, I practice that, but I think for all of us, whether it's for women, period, I have great women in my life. I absolutely do and I intentionally work at being a great woman or a great friend. But it's a practice, it's just our choosing though is that you will be triggered. And there are people, and, and whether they're right or wrong, it's like all the energy of that is coming back home to love. 
and saying, I'm going to be the vessel of love, right? That's our natural self. When I think of the healthy masculine, the healthy feminine, they're just simply love. Like we have titles for male, female, black, white, Republican, Democrat, you know, you're religious this or religious that or spiritual this. We have all this labeling happening, but really when we're all in our healthiest, best selves, we are love. That is what we are. And so if we can be more of that, and that's a practice and expansion, because then we're still human that's like, oh my gosh, it's like, oh no, come back home, back to the love, right? Thank you so much. Well, I have enjoyed learning from each of you. I appreciate your lives and your work and what you've learned um, about women and how you help empower women through what you do. I think that for each of us, as we tap into our divinity, that is something so unique. Um, the soul for each of us is so divine and so individual that as women are empowered, it's going to look different for every one of us. Uh, just as was mentioned, and so we um, honor each of you. We honor the path you're on, the culmination of all your gifts, all your abilities, all your life's experiences that make you a unique version of the divine walking around. knowledge and growth at thewholenessnetwork.com.